Day three of the MLB draft, the final day of the MLB draft, and all-star festivities all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, and that is including YouTube, as you all know by now. Day three of the Major League Baseball draft, the final day of the draft was on Tuesday. They wrapped it up. They did rounds 11 through 20. So we're just going to kind of go through. There's not tons and, and, and tons of data on a lot of these guys, especially once you get past round 15. Um, anyways, so, you know, it won't be some super in-depth thing. We're just going to speed run through them. I'll tell you kind of their profile. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about the All-Star Game. Before you go any further, I want to uh, let you know I am recording this before the All-Star Game. So I will be talking about just the festivities as a whole, the Home Run Derby, the fact that Miggy's there, etc. And we will talk about the All-Star Game itself on tomorrow's show because I have a ton of work to do <laughs> the remainder of the evening, uh, none, which included in that is uh, a, a very long live stream that will be going on for the entirety of the all-star game um and I, i'm just i'm i love you all to death but I, i'm not recording uh this show at at 2 a.m just to talk about the all-star game when we have an off day tomorrow anyway and i can talk about it uh on that episode anyway so we are going to do that we might even talk a little bit about uh like where you know first half of the season we might do that tomorrow too on the off day just looking back at the first half of the year obviously it's 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 borderline not even borderline it pretty much is catastrophic um but but we got to talk about it anyway so we'll do that but first and foremost before we get to anything else let's talk about day three of the major league baseball draft so like i said rounds 11 through 20 were in this one and in the first two days it was pretty fascinating because the tigers took uh, almost entirely college bats, and they would r remain, maintain, that's the word, golly, they would maintain the strategy of college. They took collegiate-level players all 20 rounds. Well, they didn't have a third-round pick, but every single person they, they drafted was a collegiate-level player. So that's already kind of fascinating, being that, um, this is an organization that, again, is is trying to come out of a rebuild. They've had some success with some college players. They've also had some flops with some college players. Um, and I, I think that this is a testament of, A, depth. Uh, you can solidify depth in the higher level of the minors easier with collegiate-level talent, um, right away at least. Obviously, you know, two, three down, two, three years down the road with high school players, then, then they become, you know, more prominent depth pieces, usually in double A AA and triple A, but uh, the, the kind of just somewhat fast tracked. And for an organization, again, that is in desperate need of some help at the major league level as they try to pull themselves out of this rebuild that was supposed to happen this year and absolutely isn't. Um, 
I I think it somewhat makes sense to to go with the uh, the, the collegiate level player because they can really fill in as a depth piece a lot of different places uh, organizationally, a lot of different levels organizationally right off, right away. You know, you can put a lot of them in West Michigan and high single A pretty much right off rip. Um, and uh, if, if not there, Lakeland, whereas, you know, high school players, you're, you're going to spend time in rookie ball and then you're going to move up to, to Lakeland. And then some high school players stay in Lakeland for two, three seasons. So um, I, I think that that was, that was calculated. Uh, that's not to say that there wasn't high school talent that was uh, obtainable. And that that's more of a day one and two thing. Day three, if you were expecting a high school player, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's not, uh, it, it certainly isn't impossible, but it's a lot more difficult once you get into to day three, especially if you've gone over slot a couple of times on some players uh, earlier in the draft, because then they'll just turn around and go, I'm not going to sign for 125K or whatever slot is in the you know 13th round. I'm just going to go to school and then two, three years from now, I will, uh, I'll try and be a higher draft pick and get some more money that way. So day three, not really the the place to make that. Um, I don't want to say complaint because that sounds whiny, but uh, it, it, you know, if, if, if people are, are adamant on high school players, but I know some people are for sure. And, that, and that's totally fair. Um, I, you know, day one and two is, is probably where you make that argument, which is justified and we didn't do it. Um, but if best player available at every pick is college, on their board then that's who they're going to take so starting off uh in the 11th round they took lefty joe miller out of the university of pennsylvania an ivy leaguer um he so he has an 11 strikeout per nine three six three ra and 11 starts the fascinating thing about him is a he, he has a pretty solid change up that uh that, that most people really like not going to blow you away with velocity, at least right now, but, you know, they'll, they'll get him in a lab and, and try to develop that a little bit more. Um, but, but really solid changeup, and, and he likes his slider too. But the, the fascinating thing about him that made everyone kind of, I don't know, laugh or uh, I don't know, it, kind of a, a reoccurring joke on Twitter was just he pitched for the Savannah Bananas, which is as uh, baseball fans, you know, has taken over the uh, the lower level of, of baseball uh, as um, a, a very, very intriguing product. They dance on the field. Uh, one dude walked up and literally lit his bat on fire and took an at-bat. Um, they do crazy stuff. They sell out pretty much every night. Tickets are, like, mad expensive because it's a, it's a heck of a product. They literally all break out and dance routines sometimes on the field. Uh, it's, it, it's a sight to behold. Um, but – he was the league's, the Coastal Plains League, he was the entire league's pitcher of the year for pitching for the Savannah Bananas. Um, he had a one, Last year, he had a 1-5 ERA. So kind of a fun little little thing there. I, I think that's a solid way to start off the day. You know, you take a dude that has decent strikeout numbers, pretty solid ERA everywhere he's been, um, and, uh, and, and has, you know, somewhat dominated lower-level pitching. Uh, at, at, or hitting rather at times in his uh, amateur career as well. So, <clears throat> excuse me, interesting way to start off the day. Interesting is a dumb word. Intriguing way to start off the day. I, I kind of gave everybody a jolt just because of the Savannah's bananas thing. In the 12th round, they take right-handed pitcher Cole Stupp from Kentucky 
Uh, this is a really kind of a, a, a weird one to me, not in a negative connotation necessarily, uh, but he was their Kentucky's Friday night starter. And then he had a forearm injury that he only made six starts in a draft year and got drafted still in the 12th round, which is not bad. Um, he, he didn't also have a really fantastic season before getting hurt. His ERA was pretty high. He had a couple of individual nice starts, but, but as a whole, you know, the six starts weren't absolutely fantastic. 2021 is, is probably why he was drafted. He, he has, he has decent velocity, but, but the thing is he in 2021, in a full season, like did not walk very many people at all and struck out quite a bit. And that was the big thing. Um, that that Kentucky bragged about coming into the season, bragged I feel like is is a maybe a negative connotation there, but uh, was they, they were certainly flexing the fact he had like an almost a almost a five to one strikeout to walk ratio in 2021. So he was a Friday night starter, got hurt, um, and uh, uh, clearly that that didn't scare the Tigers very much. Twelfth round pick. Um, we'll do uh, we'll squeeze in the thirteenth rounder really quick. Um, I really like this one. Uh, this is um, this is a fun pick. 13th rounder was outfielder Dom Johnson from Kansas State. Uh, he dra- was drafted as a center fielder. He played left field most of last year. He was Kansas State's leadoff hitter. He had an OPS over 1,000, and he can fly. Some uh, scouting sites have him at a 70-grade speed, which if you're unaware, the baseball scouting stale- scale, <laughs> rather, is uh is 20 to 80 80 being like you're one of the best ever at this trade and 20 being you know i've not i don't know if i've ever even seen a 20 given out that's just like unbelievably low um and so 70 speed from an amateur is is pretty pretty darn impressive so uh only five nine but slugged almost 600 i, th- I think he's gonna be more of a, a doubles power guy at the professional level but uh with that speed that can be really fun and and with that speed you know, if they try him in center field, could lead to um, some some pretty stellar defense as well. Uh, made a couple of highlight plays you can go find online at, at Kansas State and left as well. Um, so, yeah, j- I mean, a fun pick. Like, none, no one knows if any of these dudes are going to turn out. They, they could go 0 for 10. Like, it, seriously, that's that's happens, I mean, honestly, relatively often. I don't want to make it sound like the norm, but – um, it, it, like that, that happens. That's not completely out of the question. And, and, and nobody knows on draft and it's a fun pick. That doesn't mean I think he's going to be, you know, like an all-star at the major league level or anything. Um, but the, the tools are all there. The profile is nice. And, and he hit like crazy at, at, at Kansas state in the leadoff spot. So, uh, fun pick, fun pick there. Okay. Let's get into our first ad break and then we'll finish up here, uh, before talking about whatever else we're going to talk about at the end of the show. First though. Got to tell y'all about our friends over at Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond's shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is truly One of a kind. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help with a memorable gift at a budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. 
Plus, every order is insured. It ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. So you can shop stress-free. Find your forever peace at BlueNile.com today. All right, everybody, welcome back here to segment two at Locked On Tigers. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Starting July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. It's available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcast, and on YouTube. July 18th was a couple of days ago as you're listening to this, so go check that out. It's available now. Okay, segment two here, Locked On Tigers. Um, Let's, yeah, let's get right back into it. Why not? Let's just wrap this up. Let's just finish up the draft. We'll power through the last six or seven rounds here. Um, 14th round pick, Joe Ademitz from Liberty. He's six foot five. Uh, His velocity steadily improved as his collegiate career went on. Uh, This is a dude that is very much a pitch to contact guy, Uh, not unbelievable strikeout numbers did have a couple of individual games where his strikeout numbers you know like flared up but um is definitely a a sinker heavy guy like and it's an it's a nice sinker you can go look at some tape from it it it, i mean optically it, it it looks nice um so yeah pitch to contact guy gonna try to get a lot of ground balls gonna get some swings and misses if it's located right uh, has a change up in a slider paired with that sinker at a two five one ERA this season and had Tommy John last year. So in his first year back from Tommy John, he has a two five ERA, two five one ERA, uh, and gets drafted in the fourteenth round. So pretty good bounce back story there. Uh, it's a pretty low ERA for a for a guy who is a sinker ball pitcher, you know. And you know uh, he, he went to Liberty, not necessarily going up against. Uh, like the SEC every weekend or anything, but still, uh, the the pitch looks nice. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch him develop and see. You know, if he can get a, just a little bit more swing and miss stuff, uh, maybe he can progress and and go a little further in the minor league system. Fifteenth round pick, right-handed pitcher Patrick Pridgen from Florida International University. Uh, had some injury problems. I believe he was at Oregon originally. Had a lot of injury problems over the years. Transferred to FIU. uh, Had a 14, and this is going to be a theme for the rest of the draft. He had a 14K per nine, but had a whip of over one and a half. Pretty high walk numbers, pretty high hit numbers. Uh, Has a mid-90s fastball with a cutter. And at one point, he he was throwing his curveball early in the season, and he was just hitting everybody with it. Like, he was, like, plunking people every time, almost every time he tried to throw his curveball. So uh, FIU just told him, like, hey, just stop throwing the pitch. And it, it worked a little bit. You know, he, he took some more steps and, and was able to still keep the strikeout numbers high, even with uh, mostly just kind of the, the heater and, and the cutter there. So interesting profile. And, and this is, like I said, this is a theme now going forward for the remainder of the uh, the draft you're gonna see quite a lot of high strikeout but high allowed base runner guys and this late in the draft that somewhat makes sense you got guys that have the intangible ability to strike people out um, but maybe have some command issues maybe have uh, you know I guess really just command command issues I mean pitch mix there's a lot that goes into pitching obviously and um, maybe they need to learn a new pitch. 
all type of developmental stuff that, that that's going to go on once they get in within the organization. But you're going to see that a lot. So Patrick, Patrick Pridgen is, uh, is certainly not alone in his evaluation of a lot of strikeouts, but also quite a lot of base runners. We then go to the 16th round, right-handed pitcher Quinn Guadatis. I think I'm saying that right. I'm also actually knowing myself. I'm probably not. Uh, he's from a D2 school, University of Illinois Springfield. He's six foot seven and pretty big too. Uh, another guy that had a lot of strikeouts, but also a lot of base runners. Mostly sat mid 90s with the fastball. Was had the ability. I think he touched 97 a couple of times this season. Slider that's like mid to high 80s. Uh, really, really killed it in D3 at another Illinois school and then transferred to uh, D2 school to end his collegiate career there. Again, just a guy that they probably looked around and said, this dude is big. If he fills out his frame, maybe we can have add a couple of more miles an hour even, uh, get him to maybe sitting 97 more consistently than just touching it a few times uh, every few outings. You know what I mean? So definitely a, a project piece there because he also has pretty high walk numbers. Um, but again, that you're going to see that as somewhat of a reoccurring theme. 17th round, right-handed pitcher Cole Patton from Villanova. Uh, transferred from Seton Hall, had a sub-4 ERA. He has a low 90s fastball, pretty solid slider. Uh, definitely a pitch-to-contact guy. I think he's given up his hit per nine, I think was higher than his K per nine. Not by like a ton, but... Uh, by by like I think half of strikeout slash hit, um, so definitely uh, more of a pitch to contact guy as well. But sub four ERA. With all that being said, the, you know add a couple of uh, miles an hour on the velocity, um, and and see what you can do with him developmentally. The eighteenth round. This is a this is the next two is where it gets like really uh, shaky in terms of like analysis. Eighteenth round pick, left handed pitcher is what they drafted him as Christopher Williams from William Carey drafted as, at, like I said, as a left-handed pitcher, but the school lists him as an outfielder, like on, on their website. And he hit over 300 this year. Um, but in their conferences championship game, he threw eight innings of shutout ball with 12 strikeouts. Now I said that, and people are like, oh, like, you know, two-way. No, that small schools, people, like, there are just two-way players at small schools. That's just how small schools work. This is this is not a, oh, my goodness, the the, the Tigers are trying to draft a two-way player in the 18th round. Um, it's just when you get to really, really small schools, uh, pitchers hit. That's just kind of the reality, and they usually play outfield because they have uh, good arms, so... Um, that's just kind of how small schools work at the collegiate level. I, I was not trying to push an agenda of the Tigers are, are attempting to, uh, to, to, to make somebody a two-way player. But there's pretty much nothing on the kid uh, as far as like his stuff on the mound. I just have a couple of individual performances that were really good and a couple of games in which he got like an RBI double and pitched really well and hit third. Like that. that's pretty much all I got on him. Uh, but – I mean, kid clearly seems very athletic and in the biggest game of the season had an amazing uh, outing on the mound. So that's what I got for you for Christopher Williams. And the next guy I have even less on uh, 19th rounder right-handed pitcher, Albert Olivia. He goes to the New Mexico Military Institute. Look, I 
did as as much digging as I, I possibly could uh, on all these dudes. Um, there is not a lot on players from the New Mexico Military Institute. I'll be honest with you. The, the, all I know, Trevor Huth at, at Prospects Live found one video of an outing of him in 2021. His fastball was around 91. Uh, and he had a, a nice little slider to go along with it. He had a he had a three strikeout inning. He's a reliever. That that's the extent of my knowledge. He's a reliever. He usually only pitches one two innings at a time. Uh, did not start games for them. That, so there you go. Albert Olivia is the 19th rounder, and then just finishing up the draft here. The last pick for the Detroit Tigers was right-handed pitcher Drew Conover from Seton Hall. Mid 90s fastball with a slider and a sinker. Uh, he is a reliever, was a reliever for Seton Hall. Another really good K numbers and really high walk numbers a- as well. Uh, he had one where he made an adjustment midseason and they actually in the second half of the year had a 0-6 ERA. So he pitched like 33 innings and in, la- in his last 15 innings on the year, he had a 0-6 ERA. But his season ERA was still 5.73 because of how high it was in the first half of the season. So, clearly, 20th round pick, you're, you're kind of taking shots in the dark on a lot of these guys. Got a mid-90s fastball. That's something you can build upon. And uh, did certainly show signs and flashes of, of be able, being able to handle himself pretty well. So, there you go. That is the Detroit Tigers two, 2022 major league draft um yeah we'll 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 get into our break and then uh, wrap up the show and talk about some more stuff at the major league level and uh, and such but first i gotta tell you all about our friends over at bet online bet online.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your betting needs find all the all of your latest sports news events all at bet online find reviews and news of every league including major league baseball NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your wagering information. From live in game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. Okay. Welcome back. Final segment here at uh, at Locked On Tigers. The MLB draft is over. I am gonna finish this episode. I'm recording it as I said right after the draft, and probably take a nice fat nap. And it's gonna be awesome. Um, very very busy last four or five days, uh, but very fun. I want to know if people enjoy the fact that they're kind of linking the draft to the All Star festivities. Um, it's been pretty mixed reviews within like people that actually work for organizations. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like, oh, it's super cool that people are like starting to care about the draft a little bit more and like it's televised and people are showing up and, and all this, but at the same time, like the logistics of, Hey, the MLB draft is the same exact same time as the all-star weekend, uh, is also like not being, um, what's the word I want to use? Not being executed very uh, logistically well. That was horrid English, but I th- I think I got my point across. Um, so I I, I just want to know if people like if people even care. Like, do you guys even care that that's like a thing? 
um, that that they kind of have the schedule lined up like that. I like it. it. It makes for really busy days for me for like a three or four or five day stretch. Um, but, you know, it's kind of cool shining a light on on the MLB draft, something that the MLB has done a horrible job of marketing in the history of it. And, and I understand that it's difficult to market to an extent because players don't see the major leagues for, you know, two to sometimes five, six, what Derek Hill took seven years. Um, so. I understand that it's it's it can be difficult in that sense because people aren't getting the immediate gratification of, oh, they're going straight to the major leagues and I'm going to see them every day right away. Uh, but you certainly could do a lot better than what has been happening. And and so it's cool to see the last couple of years, at least, them try to take some steps in the right direction for uh, for marketing the draft better. Okay, so that's it for the draft. Just really quickly before I, I – that was going to always going to be a majority of the show, but – um, I, I think it's important to just talk about the, the all-star thing and, and talk about Miguel Cabrera. And the home run derby was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Um, Albert Pujols making it to the second round is not something I ever would have told you was going to happen. That certainly shocked me. Uh, I thought Schwarber was kind of a sleeper and, and kind of a ringer to go pretty deep in the home run derby, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, Miguel Cabrera just getting like the honorary nod is super cool. And the red the red carpet stuff has already been going on all day before I even record this. And uh, like seeing him, he's just such a personality. And, and I think he's somebody that a lot of other fan bases like as well. So just seeing him uh, kind of, you know, soak in all the limelight, baby. And then just be Miguel Cabrera is, is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, and... I don't know, like he'll probably get an at-bat in the All-Star game, right? I would imagine he'll get like an honorary, you know, they cleared a whole roster spot just, uh, well, added, I should say, a whole roster spot just to make sure him and Pujols made it. I would imagine that both of them are going to get some at-bats. Uh, hopefully he can, he can, you know, knock a opposite field single there in the All-Star game uh, to, to just kind of rep the brand. Um, but yeah, it should be a fun, it should be a fun game. It should be a fun game, and and it's nice that I know Gregory Soto's there, and the whole fan base is very upset about it, and it should have been 90 different people and whatever. Uh, but, you know, Miguel Cabrera being there, Willie Horton being there is such a huge deal. Uh, you want to talk about a, a legend by every definition of the word on the field. Certainly incredibly, uh, incredibly much. That's not English. Certainly very much a legend off the field for a lot of reasons as well. Uh, if you haven't read about Willie Horton, read up on Willie Horton. He was, uh, he, he was, he was that dude off the field too. Um, so just some, so a really cool to just see in a stretch of time, in a, in a half a decade plus now six, seven years of just horrible baseball being played in this city it's it's just nice to get some national media you know love and recognition and and Miguel Cabrera being singled out as one of two people that they were gonna make sure got in the all-star game just as like a tip of the cap situation um is is certainly that and then Willie Horton being there and an honorary coach like I said I think and um it, it it's just it's nice it's nice to, to have some good publicity, man. And, and golly, I, like, I know everyone's frustrated. 
I, I, I know everyone's frustrated. I, um, I can't tweet anything. I can't say anything on here. I, I can't tweet anything. I, I, I could tweet. I like root beer and the top five replies would be like, that's great, dude. Fire Alec, fire Alavila. Like it's, it's, and I, and I get it. And like, I, I don't think he's done, done a good job either. And, and I think it should be an, you know, it, we should have had another GM seasons ago. I'm, I'm, I'm totally, totally with everybody, but um, that doesn't mean that it's, you know, in, just impossible to find some, some good within the organization. Uh, the, the, this draft, no one is, is going to be able to tell you if this was an A plus draft the day of, uh, especially, you know, after the, the first two rounds, really. Those are those are a lot of shots in the dark. Um, but optically, they filled needs that they needed depth wise. So even if they don't turn out, they are replenishing the farm, adding some some arms and, and some much needed bats, some much needed bats. This organization was very shallow when it came to legitimate bats at, at, at the minor league level. So uh, hopefully some of those will hit. We can kind of replenish the farm a little bit, and um, and and that'll be nice. And the All Star Game, we're we're getting a little bit of love from the national media. So, I I, I understand that everyone's upset and everyone just wants to yell at each other all the time, even though that solves absolutely nothing. But it, uh, that doesn't mean that that everything that happens involving this organization or that has an old English D on it is automatically just absolute garbage um there there can still be some some good uh things that happen that's all so we will tomorrow uh i think we're gonna do a recap of the first half i know we're past halfway but most people use the all-star game as kind of the halfway mark of the season so we will talk about just overall review uh there's a lot of sirens being i hope you can't hear that in the mic there's a lot of sirens going on outside of, of my house um so we're gonna do like a, a a recap of the first half of the season just talk about where everything has kind of gone wrong what needs to change in the second half maybe players to look for whether they're not at the major league level at the major league level whatever we will just do a complete first half recap um and then we will talk you know if something happens in the all-star game cool miguel Cabrera moment cool willie horde moment cool gregory soto moment whatever uh, we will certainly talk about that on tomorrow's show as well. All right. Thank you all for rocking with me. I know that, uh, like I said, I know everyone's frustrated, but uh, the numbers and, and the support that that I get and that this show gets is still um, fantastic, even amidst everything that's happened this season. So I, I appreciate all y'all for real um, in a, an incredible amount. And we will be back tomorrow breaking down the first half of the year. Can't wait for that. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. That's all from me. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope, and I will catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.